Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 56. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. And we're a couple in Austin, Texas, getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's media and pop culture blind spots. Blind spots. Each time, one of us is in control. One of us chooses a film or TV show or media property. (laughs) When have we ever done a media property? A transmedia (laughs) property. No, we've never done it. Um... And uh, we watch we watch together, and then we unpack it all here with you guys. So this time, it was Ashley's choice. I chose. And what did you choose? So I chose a John Waters film. Um, and I haven't seen very many John Waters films, but I chose Serial Mom, which uh, I saw, I think, actually on my mom's recommendation um, sometime in my teen years, I guess. Uh, you know, and I'm, I probably, we, we watched the original rented on VHS from the movie store. I almost feel like this movie should be seen on VHS. Yeah. It came out in 94, so I wouldn't have seen it in the movie theater. I would have been not old enough to see a a rated R John Waters movie in the theater. So, um, but I most remember watching it on like Turner TNT, one of the Turner TBS, one of the Turner, uh, uh, cable channels, uh, like on Saturday afternoons or something like that, which means it would have been like edited. So I'm frowning because it seems like there would be a number of things they would have to chop out for, oh, yeah. for broadcast well, that's the uh, thing about TV. Tur- like they just show all sorts of, um, you know, all sorts of stuff that they cut to pieces and then they cut, they, they make up for, for that by like shoving in a bunch of commercials for like this quick and, you know, yes. I, don't, I don't know what else you advertise. You numb for. people into knowing, not knowing that you're missing something. That's right. <laughs> Five minutes of commercials. <laughs> so, 1994. Yes. Director John Waters. Yes. Kathleen Turner. Yes, she's so good. As a serial killer. Yes. So I, I forgot how exciting this this film was. Um, I I just wanted to watch it. And I asked you if you had seen it, and you were like, no. And I was like, we, we should do it for the podcast. And then we watched it, and I just really enjoyed it again. Like, Well, when's so the last much, time you saw it? I don't know, probably 10, 15 years. I mean, I don't, it's not something I ever owned on DVD or anything like that. So, I mean, it's, I don't think we even owned it on VHS. So, probably the last time I saw it was, you know, on. Some Who cable needed to station. own it on VHS if they showed it every three weeks on Turner But Classics. the thing that's so important about this film is that when I first saw it, I was like, this, this is what I like. This kind of comedy is my thing. Okay. What is this? And my mom's like, it's a dark comedy. And I was like, that, that is what I like. Where, where do I find more of this? You know? So was this um, before you saw, say, Heathers or something like that? You know, I'd seen Heathers before this. Okay. But I had seen it at a friend's house at a sleepover. Um, can you stop making that face? <laughs> um at, at a friend's house, at a sleepover, and um, should we just wait? No. And, um, so I had, I, it was like three in the morning, we had the TV on, so we couldn't have it very loud, because friend, and, you know, I don't know, I, 
I, I didn't see the Heathers for the first time under very favorable circumstances that would have allowed me to appreciate it to the fullest extent. But Heathers is another one that's like right up my dark comedy. I don't know why that immediately alley. popped into my yeah. head as yeah, along the same lines. It's it's I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, it's the same kind of kind kind of deal, you know. Can you paint us a picture, a couple of details of the what what is this about? What's the premise? Uh, so Kathleen Turner is a suburban housewife and, um, she, I mean, like I was to make a comparison that makes sense now. It's funny that this came out in 94 because it came out before like the OJ Simpson trial and the obsession with true crime. Did it really? Yep. Yep. I think OJ Simpson trial was like the next year. 95 or so. 95 was the next year. So it it sort of grabs a hold of this thing that's about to take over the country for like decades. This obsession with like to, true crime and and murder and and that sort of thing. So she's a suburban housewife. Um, she seems like your normal, friendly, you know, perfect, uh, you know, white suburban woman. Um, and. Anytime someone does something that she deems outside of what's polite in society, instead of yelling at them or confronting them, she just murders them, is, is what happens. So she goes on a she rampage. She's very low tolerance for yeah. faux pas. <laughs> so, I mean, like, we start out with the introduction of she's started a campaign of uh, obscene phone calls to one of her neighbors and it turns out it's because the neighbor stole a parking space from her outside the Joanne fabric store um, <laughs> and so, that's enough to send her into obscene phone calls that was my first question yeah. it's like is, is it's revealed within the first five minutes that she's the one making the the obscene phone calls to yeah. the neighbor and I'm just kind of like well, why what why yeah <laughs> and then they reveal she got cut off and the woman stole the parking spot that she was heading for. Dottie. 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 Dottie Hinkle. Hinkle yes. <laughs> but, I mean, it's funny. I mean, like, t- it's it's also like this is, you know, we, we're in the era of Karen. Karen, the concept of the, the white middle class woman who's out to make sure that no one commits any sort of social faux pas or so anything is like that. Kathleen Turner, the original Karen. And maybe, I mean, like, but yeah, I mean, like, but she, it's, it's funny. You wouldn't think, but there are women who are using their privilege to essentially try to murder people. So, I mean, it's, it's not literally what's happening, but it is kind of figuratively what's going on in some cases around here. It's, it's kind of interesting. There's a certain <laughs> outrage that is similar. Yeah. Well, this is the amplification or the exaggeration. This is the hyperbolic version of Karen yeah. rage. Yeah, it is. But she doesn't blow up in that enraged sort of Karen way. We no, keep she stays stupid. friendly. She's real passive aggressive. She's you know? very June Cleaver, yeah. Barbara Billingsley, leave it to Beaver. Yeah. On the Would you outside. like a snack? Here's breakfast. You know, here you go, hun. Yeah. I made a fruit cake. <laughs> so she's married to Sam Waterston. Yeah. He's her husband. He's a dentist. Dentist. Yeah. And they have two kids Two. They're supposed to be teenagers. They both look too old to be yeah, teenagers. It's, it's well, Ricky Lake and Matthew Lillard. Lillard. Yeah. Um, uh, who are, what are their names? I Chip and Misty. That's right, Chip and Misty. So again, that sort names. of Brady Bunch kind yeah. of like wholesome, exaggerated. 
And Misty is boy crazy, and Chip is into horror films. Like, really, really into horror films. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, interesting horror films. That's the thing. That's another thing that I like about it. There's these little weird details about. Like, so, he's not just into, like, Friday the 13th. He's into, like, Herschel Gordon Lewis uh, yeah, blood yeah. feast kind of yeah. movies. <laughs> Yeah, him and his girlfriend, and he works at a at, at a, a video store. video store, and it's all filmed in Baltimore, just like all of John Waters' films are always filmed in Baltimore. Yeah, um, he said in something that I read that they film the filming location was like right in the neighborhood where he grew up, which is I think North Mar- North Baltimore, which is Towson is the name of you know I've town. never been to Baltimore. I don't know anything about Baltimore. So I've been to Baltimore. We have family friend that lives in Baltimore, um, in this, in the center part of the city, Mm kind of near the, um, downtown area. Um, but this is like sort of the northern, northern suburbs. Um, but apparently it, the high school where they shot at was the one where divine went to high school and was bullied as a teen. Um, it's the same neighborhood that uh, John Waters grew up in. So it was kind of weird for him because (laughs) they were filming in all these locations where he, you know, and I assume, like many suburbs that continue to look very similar for for decades, you know, so I'm sure it pretty much looked like it did when he was growing up, you know, other than a few, you know, big yeah. box stores or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, that's... <laughs> so, she's nuts from, get, from the beginning. Yeah. And that's something I... I entered the movie wondering if we were going to see the transition into serial mom. Cause I knew enough that it was, I knew sort of what the premise was, but no, she's, I mean, I, I think we're supposed to, I think we kind of join her story or enter her story the week the rage turns into actual murder. Cause yeah, yeah. you don't, I don't think there's any hint that she's done the actual killing people until this week. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no... nothing to confirm or deny that. And you sort of, pick up with like this is the week that she sort of snapped yeah you know what i mean like the obscene (laughs) it was obscene phone calls it was that sort of barely contained rage that finally like welled out over the surface yeah so um you have i don't i don't know how many 10 different six uh, half a dozen or 10 different murders six i believe they're fantastically like she counts them on her hand in the oh in the i didn't even catch that it's hilarious when when like um oh is it in the trial it's in the trial when they're presenting the evidence for against her the prosecutor and he's like and we have six murders and she's like counting it on her fingers okay (laughs) so we join her the week that she snaps but she was heading this way yeah because she's got this rage she's doing the obscene phone calls to dotty hinkle and she um she hides uh true crime serial killer books and stuff well, under she, her bed and in her nightstand well, yeah she's right? been reading she's, true crime books um she has like a newspaper scrapbook of murder information yeah and these are reveals along the way she has a cassette tape with an interview from and the voice of that is uh john waters Waters, yeah yeah. um that her husband finds when he starts to suspect that it might be his wife and like interestingly like you know she's she's not very you know subtle about it she just like there's no sort of like 
real way that she's trying to hide this or anything like that. You know, it's just kind of like, I think she has an eyewitness for her first crime, you know, um, in the form of the stoner. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> that's the first murder? I think the first murder is... She murders her son's math teacher. Yes, because he had the audacity to say that um, her family was unhealthy because of the the horror videos that he liked to watch. Yeah, so she goes into her parent conference, doesn't like his tone yeah. <laughs> and snippiness about her her son chip yes matthew lillard not not up to not being up to standards and being a little off and maybe he should get therapy he needs to see a psychiatrist the horror thing is kind of a little weird don't you think yeah like it's (laughs) it's interfering with his studies (laughs) so what does she do she backs over she runs him over in the parking lot well yeah she runs she runs over him and then she backs over him again and and um, there's a stoner up on the hill that that provides the first eyewitness. So the police are suspicious pretty early on. Um, they'd actually visit her house already for... Uh, well, the movie starts with them coming out investigating the obscene phone calls. Yes. I think that's one of the very first scenes of the movie. I guess only in suburban Baltimore would cops be going around door doing to door investigations about obscene phone calls. Obscene phone calls, yes. <laughs> that's probably the most fictional aspect of the, the movie. Well, you know, and that's a that's a crime, I guess, that doesn't happen much anymore because we don't have landlines that you can just look up people's numbers anymore. Um, yeah. There's no directory of phone numbers, so... And you don't get um, iPhone calls that say obscene likely or anything. Yeah, obscene likely. (laughs) Perv likely. Perv likely. (laughs) Maybe we should have that. I don't know. It's not a problem I know of. So you uh, you have this film doing a wonderful job of, I don't know, almost trying to out mundane... Yeah, it's yeah. not express like the the things that set her off. Yeah. So, do you have a favorite slight or thing that sh- that upset her? <laughs> What's the best one? Well, I for mean, you? like to me, like the most like obscure one that doesn't make any sense is the woman who refuses to rewind. Oh, that's the what I was going to say. Because so like she comes, that's the very is that the very last? I think that's the very last. It's one, one of the last ones before. Because the rest of them were kind of personal. Like that guy was attacking her son. The um her her daughter's um guy that she was dating who like um showed up to the flea market with some other girl. Like yeah. that was personal, but um um yeah, it starts to get more obscure as to why exactly she decided to um. Most of them are personal. That's the weirdest one. That's yeah. the one that's the where she she hears the because her son Chip works at the video store and this woman who wants to rent freaking Annie the musical yeah didn't rewind her she last brought, tape. she didn't she didn't rewind Ghost Dad she didn't rewind Ghost Dad <laughs> see there's something wonderful about the choices of movie too well yeah that's um it's a Bill Cosby movie it's a Bill Cosby movie yeah. it's not a good Bill Cosby movie. It almost, I mean, like, it almost seems like it's like looking into the future. It's so weird, you know, to look back and, and think of those. The, I don't that know. That kind of blows my mind that this yeah. is just before O.J. Simpson. Yeah. So flash forward, you know, we always spoil everything in this podcast, basically. Well, so we don't always, but yeah. Well, <laughs> there's going to be a whole trial sequence. Yeah. Eventually. 
right? And what do you have? You have um, Chip and Misty selling merch outside, yeah. right? Bumper stickers and T-shirts and stuff for Serial Mom. Yeah. Because she becomes like a media, I- local Baltimore media icon. Yeah. Serial Mom. Which is sort of like Natural Born Killers came out mm-hmm. around around the same time. Just yeah. Before this, I think. Maybe a year or so before. Was it 93? 92 or 3 or something. I don't remember if I've ever seen it all the way through. Yeah. So Oliver Stone's movie yeah. about uh, the serial killers, Juliette Lewis and Woody Harrelson, becoming a media sensation, you know, like global superstars That's while they're right. doing their sort of Bonnie and Clyde, but serial murder Bonnie and Clyde rampage. <laughs> I guess it's murder. more like, maybe they're more like... Um, uh, what's it called? Movie. Never mind. I lost it. It's gone. Badlands. That's what I'm oh, saying. Badlands. Yeah. They're more of a Badlands I have seen couple, Badlands. right? Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, John Waters, I have to admit that I think the only like I'm completely like so. If this is a podcast about blind spots, you've uncovered uncovered one of my biggest blind spots because I yeah. I think. I was looking at his filmography just before we started recording. I think the only thing I've ever seen is Hairspray, mm-hmm. if that's possible. Yeah, I mean, I think I've seen Crybaby also, like, on TNT on Saturday. I don't think Saturday, I've ever seen Crybaby. Which is Johnny Depp, but I don't remember much about it other than it was set in the... But he does, like, satire. Most of his mainstream yeah, but movies he had are... The more, he had the underground, divine... Yeah, which I've not, flamingos I've not seen any... Female trouble and those things... Our cats are dismantling the house. It's okay, though. It's not Kathleen Turner, at least. Yeah. (laughs) So, huge blind spot for me. I don't have a lot... I don't have any John Waters, really, to compare this movie to, or to... So I can't say anything about his work. (laughs) You know, I guess what this comes out of. It's so... I mean, like, this one is more mainstream. I think even, even the original Hairspray is a little more, like, high camp, you know, would be the, yeah. would you know, with the, you know, idolization of, like, 50s, the look of 1950s women and, and you know, not, and it's interesting because he does such interesting things with it. He just subverts expectations, which, I mean, I guess is the point of satire, but um, uh, this one is a little bit more mainstream than even Hairspray, I would say, you know. Um, Can you think of other... Well, maybe Hairspray is the other example. Can you think of other films, obviously not by him since we haven't seen very many, that have that same sort of camp approach, this certain type of tone to it? So there's... I haven't seen a lot that's like this. This is... He... This film in particular is really good at skirting that edge between what is funny... And what, like, edges into gross and uncomfortable, you know? There's a line there, and, like, the one that I will compare him to that is always over that line, and it's Todd Solon's films. Is is that his name? Yeah, that's his name. I I haven't seen very much of his stuff either. His films are really uncomfortable to watch. They tend to be gross, over-sexualized. They're really hard for me to watch. Do they have this heightened camp tone, yeah yeah there's the satire the bright sort of colors the heightened um drama and melodrama and you know i've i've only seen a couple of those but they were they made me so uncomfortable that but like i really appreciate like 
the little touches like the person being obsessed with the hor- the horror or the weird things that uh, Misty is selling at the at the trade show like she's selling a, a great like Pee Wee Herman doll which oh yeah in the box yeah right? which like in 94 would not would have been a little bit old but like it's just kind of weird it's a weird kitschy oh, peewee's her peewee's playhouse had that same sort of feel the sort of bright yes. colors you know and the half naked men and all that yeah. kind of weird <laughs> you're right yeah that actually does remind there is something about this that reminds me yeah, of it's Pee-wee. which and peewee plays up on that camp a lot too you know and but i appreciate that sort of i mean it ties into my interests in vintage Everything, you know, vintage decor, vintage, you know, all another, of that stuff. Another know? connection I'm getting, and I don't think you've seen this movie, but it pushes something similar, is um, David Lynch's Wild at Heart. Oh, yeah. And there's all yeah. kinds of weirdness there with... He also always had that sort of 50s, 60s reference mm. sort of sensibility. And there's always that edge of the 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 emptiness of that sort of suburban like wholesomeness and the darkness underneath it. Yeah. Although in Lynch, it goes very dark and very surreal usually yeah. and, and, and more into the nightmare element of it. But that movie oh, yeah. wild at heart. And to some extent, some of the TV series of twin peaks hits some of that. Oh yeah. David Lynch definitely is you into that. Saying? Like, especially like the music he chooses for things. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of fifties yeah. rockabilly kind of yeah. Well, and in this in this one they used um, Daybreak by uh, what's his name now Mandy. Another that thing that <laughs> reminds me of Lynch is the way that one of the murders, and I think it's the murder of the the woman who wouldn't rewind her tape, the old lady yeah. who rents Annie, is she's singing tomorrow tomorrow. Right. And beating when, her with a leg of lamb, which is the other thing. So, she decides not to stab her, but beat her with a leg of lamb. Is that the best murder? Is <laughs> yes. that the weirdest murder? Because I yeah. was going to ask you, and then you jumped right to it. You know, I was like, which was the most inane, like, like thing, and what was the strangest, weirdest murder? Yeah, it's it might it's, be the leg of lamb. It's the leg of lamb, I think, because the first one is a car, the second one is a poker, a fireplace poker. Yes, and then, there's the driving over the math teacher yeah, with that's the car. The car. The, there's she um, stabs the woman oh, with she, scissors. She throws an air conditioner out the window. And an air conditioner at on the her husband. Who, no, uh, yeah, the guy who got his yeah. dental work done. Yeah. What did she do to the woman? Did she stab her with a knife or something? The the chicken eating couple, like the no, husband? she stabbed her with scissors. That's the with one. the scissors that's what okay. I just said. And then um, sorry. So interestingly, the the one that's the most gruesome and the hardest one that they included is the the friend of their of Chips that um, she essentially like burns him to death on stage. Oh, she chases, in front of, she chases him into a club. What was the club called? Um, Hammer lo- Hammerjacks. Hammerjacks. Which um, closed? Is um, that a real club? It was a real oh, club. Okay. It's so it's not anymore. There again, you have. This is Baltimore. It's now the Ravens Stadium, I guess. Oh, the Baltimore Ravens Stadium, which scene. I think it's hilarious. I always think it's hilarious that the name of their So you had a you had a girl band called team. Camel Lips uh, playing. Yes, and it's L7, the famous um I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, so it's um the um and I've I've lost mm-hmm. I've lost the name of the movement. That's fine. The the Pacific Northwest girl Riot Which girl? I read a whole book about. Riot Girl. Riot Girl movement, yes. Yes. Uh, I read Carrie Brownstein's uh, 
memoir of it. It's up on the shelf. I haven't gotten yeah, to it like yet. A, uh, Hunger makes you a modern girl. Yeah, or something that's like it. that. Yeah, you got it. such Hunger a good, makes... such a good book. Um, but um, and I've played some L seven songs in my um, mm-hmm. fem rock groups that we've done. So, um, so Lake of Lamb murder gets my vote for the weirdest murder because, but it, the the whole connection was she's singing the song tomorrow from Annie. Mm-hmm. Because the woman's watching that on her tape. Yeah. Oh, no, she rewinds the... T- uh, Kathleen Turner kills her and then rewinds the tape. Yeah. <laughs> she shouts at the dead body to yes. rewind, you know. Um. So, going back to the David Lynch connection again, I w- you should see Wild at Heart sometime. Yeah. I still don't know how I feel about Wild at Heart. It's not my favorite David Lynch movie. I forgot it was David Lynch. It... For me, it crosses some lines that I'm not sure I'm okay with, but it mm. definitely makes you feel, it makes you react and feel something. But what remind the camp thing of it is there's this whole Wizard of Oz current running yeah. through it that's very silly and very bizarre and and terrifying in its own way. Yeah. So I kind of, there's there's that. I don't know. There There is a little bit of that overblown uh camp acting style yeah. to some of the characters and i think mostly with diane ladd who plays laura dern's mother who actually is her mother in real yeah. life but um she's her mother in that movie too yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i loved kathleen Tur- i so i love kathleen turner i i just i didn't know I've we've never talked about kathleen turner ever i thought we had talked about romancing the stone at one point well we uh, we watched some or most of it we i rented it or got it out of the library at some point so i just i think she's fantastic i love her voice i love i you know it's interesting i think i think she, looks, she was jessica rabbit she looks a lot <laughs> maybe this is a weird thing to say since we're talking about this movie my mom like when during that time looked and dressed a lot like Kathleen Turner in this around movie. when this came out around when this came out you know That's I hilarious. remember she had one of the uh, there's a scene where she has um like a blue shirt tucked into like a khaki skorts okay which yeah. are the combination of skirt and shorts which was popular at the time and I, I'm You're talking sure about my... Kathleen Turner and what she's wearing. And I'm suddenly picturing someone with a carpet sweeper, not a vacuum, but with yeah, a carpet, carpet sweeper. sweeper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's not even in the movie. I'm just picturing carpet sweeper. Well, the other thing that I love about is like there's a breakfast scene where they're in the kitchen and they have this ivy wallpaper. And I'm 90% sure that like the majority of the people that I grew up with and Actually I've seen their that. kitchens had that. Um, that ivy wallpaper that was in there. Um, so it to me, it was very much like of my childhood. It looked like a suburban regular house, you know, in in anywhere, essentially, you know. Um, but Kathleen Turner is just so good. Um, I, I still haven't seen it all the way through, but I've seen scenes of, um, what is it, War of the Roses, which is about the terrible divorce oh. between her and Michael Douglas. Is that you know, right? We need to go and see, we need to see some of those Michael Douglas movies. Where they're fighting over the house. Like they, yeah. they, they hate each other, but they don't want, neither one of them wants to give up the house. So it's like a, it's a big. I saw that in the movie theater when it came out. I don't remember it really being something that I thought that much of, but yeah. I would definitely go, I would see that again. I just think she's so interesting. She, I mean, like she's, she has a little bit of, um, uh, Philadelphia story. Um, Catherine, Catherine Hepburn, Hepburn about her or maybe and even her Irene. Dunn, and Irene, well, yeah. 
she has a very sort of, she even has that sort of mid-Atlantic accent. Um, uh-huh. I don't know that she, well, you can sort of hear it in this, but it's the sort of overpronounced, almost sort of Britishized American English sound. And she just, that's just her voice. That's what she sounds like. I don't know if she like, I don't know much about like, you know, how she came, did she come? I think she came up through the theater probably. I'm guessing. No, I don't remember. But for a the long theater. time, she has a Bette Davis, Betty Davis one of thing. The <laughs> main leading ladies of the late '80s and early '90s, and yeah. she was in everything for a while. Yeah, and she she had she was in so such a diverse body of work. She was yeah. in so many different things. Now, speaking of body of work, did you see Body Heat? Have you ever seen? I have body? seen Body Heat, but it's been a long. So time. that's the movie I think that put her on the map. Mm-hmm. Body Heat with um, William Hurt, yeah. Kathleen Turner. And it's vaguely sort of postman always ring twice. Yeah. Well, there's another movie that I've always wanted to do the pod for the podcast, which is hard to find. Um, but it's like that same time frame, early nineties, and I can't it has Kathleen Turner and Dennis Quaid in it. And it's um they ha they're former spies that just had a baby and they have to they get drawn into a a new case in when they're on a vacation. I know I've seen that, but it's almost like undercover blues is what it's called. Okay. Yeah. I'm getting nothing else. Yeah. I think I saw that, but I can't access anything. So maybe I only saw the preview or something. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's not, apparently these are, these are not classics, but those were, those are things that I watch all the time. Movies to do a little festival during COVID-19. We can do that. We have time. <laughs> we watch Kathleen Turner, and then we can move on to Jamie Lee Curtis. We'll just watch all the Jamie Wasn't Lee the Curtis movies. Wasn't the name of uh, Jack Black's band Kathleen Turner Overdrive yes, in uh, uh, High Fidelity? Uh, yes. Kathleen Turner, Turner Overdrive. Overdrive. <laughs> That's a great band name. So weird, interesting casting to me is her husband's played by Sam Waterston. Yeah. He never does movies like this. He's so straight across the board. He usually plays that character for real. Yeah. Like the sort of quiet, mild-mannered husband type. (laughs) He's so well cast in this. It works perfectly. He doesn't have to go for comedy. He just, you know, he's like, your your mother has some problems. You know, he doesn't. (laughs) So I'm going to be honest. I'm, I haven't seen very many things that have this camp tone or yeah. style to it. So it was, I don't think, I don't know if off-putting is the way to phrase it, but no. it took me some time to get used to. Yeah. Because it's not the type of comedy where the people in the movie play it straight and it's the situation that's yeah. absurd or strange. It's the type of movie where everybody seems to almost be aware that they're in a movie and they're kind of, the performance are, are sort of exaggerated. Yeah. And there's sort of a, a a nudge, nudge, wink, wink to the way they deliver their lines or project. It's very theatrical. Mm. It's very, look at us, we're in a satire. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. No. But I, I don't have a lot of experience with movies that blast, we are camp, we are in a, camp movie yeah we're 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 projecting really loudly we're winking at the camera yeah this is kind of absurd isn't it you know there's sort of a everybody in it is kind of meta aware that they're in the movie 
Well, and it it it's interesting because like it could be if you tried to do it seriously, I don't think it would. I don't work. think it would be funny. No, it would it would be and like. It's interesting because this is another one of those where I disagree with, just like uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, I disagree with Roger Ebert's. Roger Ebert did not like this film at all. And for similar reasons, he thought that um, uh, that um, you know he was just concerned by how crazy Kathleen Turner was in this film. You know, which I guess if you're used to seeing her in more serious or weighty roles, well, that, that... I read that that fragment of his review too. And it seemed like what he was saying was that she makes a bad choice. He says that she plays it straight. She plays it with a realism to her mental illness, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't receive it that way at all. No, I definitely saw her as having fun with it. Yeah. Well, the, the, um, her eyebrows, I mean, like, she just has these looks that she gives. There's and, a knowing sort yeah. of... We're we're complicit in it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like everybody's sort of performing for us, and they're kind of yeah. aware of it. You well, know, it's, it's weird, because you almost root for her. It's very weird. I mean, and maybe that's the disturbing thing about it, you know, is... Even though, like, these are the most, like, tepid, like, petty things that you know like if you're if you're if your kid's teacher says that they're worried about them watching horror films then that's something that you're like well i'm the parent i get to make that decision you know you, well, s- you see my kid two hours a day you know <laughs> that that should just be glossed over it shouldn't be everybody like a, has an insult or anything. everybody has routine insults and yeah. things that just rub them the wrong way or and the the difference is is she acts on them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, so, and, but the things, the things, the thing that's interesting to her is that like her life is so devoid of any sort of real challenge or conflict or anything that just like simple, like etiquette things are the things that get her so mad that she, so she has nothing else to focus her attention on or, that would bring her any rage. There's no, I mean, like it's almost, she like has no real problems. So her she's problem, looking for them. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Her problems are that, um, which is funny. It kind of reminds me, although much more subtle is Grady Hendrix's new book on the Southern women vampire. Oh, I mean, club. You read that. Um, similar in tone. Cause he, he like chip has that obsession with horror. Um, but, um, he, able to take it to a much more, um, it's a fascinating book, um, really gets into the sort of um, patriarchal systems that would keep vampires in place. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting, you know. Um, so I highly recommend that book if, if, if this is your kind of... Oh, yeah. Or any Grady Hendrix, really, because he plays on that sort of heightened satire thing. Although I think I've read all of the other Grady Hendrix books. Although this new one is the most subtle, and I think the strongest one of the ones that he's... But it, it, it also plays on that sort of, you know, horror and everyday life kind of thing that mm-hmm. is... That, is it and actually in in a situation where everyday life is kind of a horror story right now, it was really comforting to watch that film. Um, for some reason, for me, I just I really enjoyed re re 
rewatching that and re-experiencing. Yes, it was. Did it somehow express your rage? Yes. At, uh, at the no, small but no, no, the thing life. I would never. You know, I, I in my life realized that people have. I mean, I have more important problems than than that. Not to mention, other people in the world have much more important problems than wearing white shoes after Labor Day. Or, but there is something <laughs> satisfying about her getting so pissed over stupid things like somebody yeah. not rewinding their videotape yeah. or. <laughs> Okay, um, so the line, yeah, the line <laughs> between disturbing and fun. It's when it's when troubling for yeah, me. Yeah, when she. I have a more sensitive line. I think. Yeah, well, and and that's another thing is that I like I like a dark comedy, like black comedy, like you know. Like, we always have this, we talk about You're the Worst, which is one of my favorite shows, which plays on the same sort of thing. These people are, like, over-the-top horrible. They are actually the worst people, but they're not, I mean, like, no one behaves that way in real life. Um, But it's funny how, like, people who behave in the very worst ways possible are able to express these sort of, like, universal feelings of wanting to be loved and accepted for who they are and, and all of this stuff that... I don't know. I don't know how to. <laughs> you like your coffee blacker than I do. I do. I do. I, that that show is too dark for me. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it before. <laughs> I don't know why, but it triggers me. It's just too dark for me. Yeah, yeah. It's for me. I can't even get to the glimmer of hope or the or the shock of recognition yeah. or anything. It's just so dark. <laughs> so I have a different line. Well, and for me, I I recognize that this is a mainstream John Waters movie, and the 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 violence is presented in you know very comical, absurd ways. Yeah. For me, though, like the poker and like pulling out like innards and stuff like that. It's the, like it's, Lucille Ball meets. It's it's <laughs> funny, but it's also really gross. I I just have more. I don't have as much of a squeamish threshold. So even in this context of being like over the top and campy and everything, I'm kind of like ew. Well, you know? I, I, I never enjoy gore. I yeah. just don't. It's so, like there's like certain things. Like I don't enjoy bathroom humor at all so of that, any kind. You know, when there's something like that and I haven't seen the movie before, yeah. then it makes me feel low-level uncomfortable. Like, I don't know how much more of that there's going to be. Yeah, yeah. I don't even like seeing people, like, throw up in the movies yeah. or anything like that. So I'm pretty squeamish when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, the murder in the bathroom, not my favorite. That was probably the worst one for me. Yeah. But it was the threat of not knowing how far the movie was going to go. Like... I don't like anything with blood trauma yeah. or sharp <laughs> knives or scissors or anything like that. So even when somebody reaches for something yeah. like that. So yeah, it made me feel uncomfortable and I was also laughing. So I think if there's if that's part yeah. of what we're going for, then I I got it. But, you know, I'm also like, ew. Well, the <laughs> for so some, the, the a couple one of the that scenes. didn't work for me is Chip's friend who was I mean, like, Scotty was a character throughout the whole movie. Like, she made it pretty clear from early on that she didn't like that Scotty didn't wear a seatbelt and that he liked to look at dirty magazines. And in true John Waters fashion, the kind of dirty magazines he looks at are like Betty Page kind of vintage. um, It's basically the kind of dirty magazines John Waters probably looks at. Yeah, yeah. Well. Except for the fact that he's gay. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, but, but I still think he probably looks at Betty Page magazines because well, yeah. they're vintage and well, they're cool. Well, and that sort of, you know, because that sort of, that sort of presentation of female nudity. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It was a different, it's a different time. It's presented differently. So I think it's kind of like endearing that he likes that. And then like, he gets the most brutal death, which is like, he thinks he's about to escape. And then she, she like catches him on fire. And apparently Kathleen Turner had the most trouble with that particular one as well. For me, it's the one that doesn't work as well it's also the most public of them like he's on work, stage what didn't work for me was the fact that it was on stage and the audience experienced it as a rah rah yeah. you know like it's part of the show and even the band members like threw more lighter fluid on him yeah i, I think was like she, where did she that spit, come from um, uh, um i think she was drinking liquor liquor and she poured the rest of it on or she him. spit it on him i think yeah, you know I, I, that was a little weird yeah so that one i mean and and that I mean, like, if if you're making a political statement about how people, you know, the horror of people reacting to these situations and... Or how being, mundane savage violence actually is, that it, or the contagiousness of it or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Well, I mean... The hysteria of the crowd. Yeah, the, yeah, that sort of thing. The complicity of everyone watching her being participants in it. Like, well, that reminds me of that documentary. Did we watch that documentary with me? The one one about the woman who, yeah, who witnessed or the Kitty was that her? Kitty Genovese. That's right. Yeah, the The, woman who was murdered, uh, and like supposedly everybody in the neighborhood was watching from windows or knew that it was happening, and nobody did anything because they were expecting somebody else to do something. Yeah, that's a famous. uh, Well, yeah, it's something that you know, and and this. The, the documentarian, you know, um, wanted to get into it because the way it's presented is so simplistic. You know, like, oh, everybody heard it and nobody they did closed, anything. They closed their blinds. They, or, walked, they turned know, away. They, which is, they- is not the case at all. I mean, like, you know, like, like, if you look at the timeline of things, like, you know, they heard it and then she got inside and then... She went outside, you know, so there was a whole, like, timeline of things. So, like, no one person saw the whole thing and just did nothing. And 30 people didn't just sit there and watch the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So people aren't as... as, um, That's why they draft some of those Good Samaritan law, that kind of thing, though, right? Is that what it's called? Where it's like, if you're a bystander and someone's, like, you you need to intervene or you could be held... Well, and, and like people do this rational, I mean, people, one of the things that they're best at is rationalizing things. So like if there's like she's screaming and you see it and then you're thinking surely someone will help and then you see them get to perceived safety, you know, then then your rationalization is, oh, they must be fine at this point. Things are and like for people who on it, well, you know, in, in the in the current situation, a lot of people feel this way, but those people who were not comfortable with calling in authorities are not going to call in authorities because like that's escalating things to a level that they're not comfortable with. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like you, if your life is so separate from a situation where you would bring in any type of authority, to think about bringing in a type of authority feels wrong, 
you know, it feels like that's not the world, that's not the world you live in or, or whatever, you know, and I don't know. I mean, yeah. So that's the one that didn't work for you. Yeah, that's, it's, and, and like, he just, he seems like, I mean, like, he's a little inconsiderate. He doesn't wear his seatbelt. He looks at porn publicly. But, you know, otherwise he just seems like a... But he's actually like a, one of the secondary he's a nice, characters. He's, he's, a ni- he's a nice kid, you know. There's nothing, you know, like, he's not broken or, no, you know. He's just a sidekick kid. Yeah. It doesn't... <laughs> so that one, that one was, to me, a, a little bit hard to watch because it wasn't like a it wasn't like a personal slight or a silly thing it was like just that he didn't wear his seatbelt and you know he gets sort of the most horrible death I mean I can't imagine anything worse than burning to death (laughs) I didn't know where this movie was going to end up but I sure didn't know that it was headed towards a trial sequence and, yeah. and all of that. Like I didn't, I, I guess I would have assumed it would end when they stopped her rampage or something yeah. like that. And, but then you have like a, I don't know, 15 minute bizarre trial sequence. With Suzanne and, Summers and-, and where she becomes sort of a celebrity figure, you know, with yeah. people outside the courtroom and like ser- they've dubbed her serial mom and people <laughs> like, she's like a folk hero or something yeah. like that. <laughs> Uh, you've got the daughter selling merch outside. Yeah. Um, Suzanne, Chip's trying to get like a TV Chip's series. Chip's got a going. deal with Suzanne Summers. Yeah, to make a movie He's or coming, something. Is, is about to arrive because she's going to play serial mom in the TV movie. It's yeah. not even like a real movie. It's like they sold the TV movie rights. Yeah. <laughs> High class stuff. <laughs> and, uh, and then it's a really bizarre trial scene where she ends up she defending herself. Stuff. Well, her and her lawyer wa- everybody. Yeah, her lawyer wants to wants her to plead guilty by reason of insanity, and she's like, "No, I'm I'm doing innocent." So she's able to discredit um, everybody. Yeah, every witness. Which is kind of how um, you know tri- defense trials work. You know, which is you she discredit did the witnesses. Perfectly good uh, defense of herself. Yeah. Um, well written. Defense of herself. <laughs> so you've got some interesting cameos in this movie. In, in fact, there's another slight during the court scene that drives her up the wall. Do you remember what it is? The it, other, the faux pas that drives her nuts during the, the trial. the white shoes after Labor Day. That's Patty Hearst. Yes, it's Patty Hearst. One of the jurors. Yes. Has white shoes. Yes. It's well, and it's interesting. The trial starts, I believe, on October fourth. I yeah. believe so. So it's very clear from the date timestamp that it's after Labor Day. <laughs> What's great is you have her as Kathleen Turner, like writes a furious, like <laughs> need to see this now letter to her lawyer, like you know, look at this note right now. You know how they do? You yeah. confer with your client or whatever, and it says that juror is wearing white shoes after Labor Day. <laughs> keeps giving her the evil eye which is a like weird arbitrary rule that like i mean like i've heard it but i don't know why or what for or what potential reason like why it gets muddy i i don't understand i can't tell you no i mean it's just one of those in things Texas, they it's say. hot until october you can wear sandals till like december it's if just you want an etiquette thing that you hear <laughs> I mean, we have college students that wear flip-flops in You know, I don't wear white January. shoes as a rule anyway. Yeah. Or white. Well, yeah, I don't wear white. Really, anyway. 
But yeah, so she gets off and then um, immediately goes and takes care of the juror who... Uh, I think she beats her with the telephone the receiver. The telephone receiver right yep. there in the... Uh, Just after getting let out. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you something else that happened. Suzanne Summers does not probably walk away from this sunscape either because she's trying to take the limelight in that... <laughs> <laughs> when they're walking out of the trial, Suzanne Summers is trying to get, pose with her for <laughs> photographs for the press and is making her stand in such a way that Kathleen Turner's good side can't be seen. Yeah. <laughs> Beverly. Beverly Sutfin. What a weird name. I was yeah. trying to figure out if that was some kind of anagram I wasn't getting because Sutfin does not seem like a real name to me. Maybe it is. I don't know. Is that German or Polish? I, I, I wanted to like flip the letters and see yeah. if it was some kind of anagram, but nothing came to me. So if anybody knows anything about yeah, that I've never name, heard that name before. Drop us a line. <laughs> so, so I always, yeah. I'm always looking for more like this. Ever since then, Heather's is a, another one. Um, you know, something that just plays with what's i feel like i'm gonna think of other movies like this after we stop recording so i wish i'd had a moment to to sort of really think about this a little bit more yeah heather's is the one that immediately popped into my mind and i get the same a similar level of satisfaction watching that film that's another one that i would just watch again and again and again you know and Does does it seem like Veronica Mars sometimes? Maybe sometimes. I don't know. I don't know. There's there's something. I don't know. I don't feel like Veronica Mars has the camp factor. I think it it does. It's more of an homage to 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 uh, noir. Private Eye noir. Yeah, but of. that same sort of affection for a style, you know. Maybe. Yeah. You've got her hard-boiled voiceover <laughs> over every right. episode. Yes. You've got Keith Mars' uh, detective agency <laughs> with the dark room and the, you know, lights blind coming through the blinds and all that sort of stuff. But I like things that are hard, that hard. are difficult to... But it has to have that funniness to it, because otherwise then it's just too hard. It's like... Well, I don't know how... What this movie would be without the funniness. Yeah, yeah. Just unbearable, probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, like, there's some, like, Breaking Bad, which, like, is, I mean, has its funny moments, but is ultimately so serious about, like, this, like, world gone crazy, every man that turns evil kind of thing. It's so hard to watch. You know, it doesn't have that sort of lightness, that sort of touching on the absurdity. It just feels like dark and, and dour. I mean, it's like any of the funny zo- like zombie mm-hmm. movies like Shaun of the Dead versus Walking Dead, you know, which like it's Walking Dead is just so unpleasant to watch. I've but never seen Shaun of the of Dead is Dead. a joy to watch, yeah. you know. Um, I mean, even R- Romero's zombie films have a sort of lightness about them. They have that commentary that they're making, but there's it, there's horror there, but there's something a little bit lighter than Walking Dead, which just feels like a slog towards the apocalypse, yeah. which 
This is like what we have now. So. <laughs> Wait, we're in the Walking Dead. <laughs> we're in the Walking Dead. So <laughs> I don't want to watch the Walking Dead because I feel like I'm in it. <laughs> so is this the typical John Waters style? That's what I want to know because I really haven't seen anything else except Hairspray, which sort of is in this kind of style, but. I guess I, I, I don't know what those divine what movies I, I are like. I think they're a little more um, grungy. That's, I don't know. That's my impression, too. I mean, I like, to use, they... to use an offensive term, trailer park would be the the kind of... Yeah. Yeah, that kind of, you know... Well, don't they have more of a low-budget underground... Yeah, grungy, tawdriness grunginess, tawdry, yeah, tawdriness, you know, so... Rough around the edges. There's a scene where they show um, uh, Scotty watching uh, a 70s uh, porn, porn film movie. with Chester, Chesty Morgan, and I think it's that kind of... I mean, it's not nudity, it's not porn, but it's like it's that, that same sort of, of underground. Vibe. Underground, I think, is maybe a better term for... Underground, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I think I said that earlier. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know. Maybe we should check out some more John Waters yeah, well, at some point. Well, you know, it reminds me also, you know, we went to, before Austin Film Society closed, we watched some of those um, those shorts. Do you remember the... The, the horror shorts? Yeah, so it had the... Were they, no, they weren't horror shorts. I'm not sure what you're talking about. Um... The experimental films? Yeah, maybe they were experimental films. What are you talking about? Well, there was the we went one... went to a program of avant-garde movies. That was the... Was the, that one? With Kenneth Anger movies, that sort of underground... Yeah, 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 exactly. That sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Kind well, of has a little bit... underground American Yeah, yeah. So I think that there's some of that in the... there, the like sitting around in your house watching, you know... Mm-hmm. 16 millimeter film that you you know picked up at a, tra- a trade show or something like that you know kind yeah. of kind of thing you before the inter- that you bought through mail order mail order in the back of a catalog millimeter or eight millimeter porn yeah. movies or, yeah. or just like whatever racy yeah. movies which you know it's such an experience to watch those especially if it's not your usual fare it's it's like really interesting to see are you talking now about the avant-garde movies, though? Like the Kenneth Anger stuff? Yeah, yeah, or? that. Yeah. yeah. You Scorpio know, it, Rising was Yeah, Scorpio one. Rising. Yeah. It's just, it was really interesting to watch that. It, you know, when you take it outside of the concept of, like, I'm, I'm covertly watching this, but you're watching it. You're watching it as a celebration of, Of you know, art and humanity. Yeah, and, experimental and, film and yeah. the great tradition of avant-garde cinema. yeah. But that's not how that 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 was originally probably you know shown in strange clubs and stuff like that. Yeah, hard exactly. to see. I think I think that was one of the movies that was like banned or illegal for a time, right? It had to be well, kind of shown. It reminds on the, me of I don't know if early on because the draft house has become so corporate. But well, when the draft house first started, like you would go and they played the weirdest random bits of film like before your movie started, just like weird things like things that made you uncomfortable and there was that that whole like celebration of underground cinema that like now since it's more mainstream like they still have that like segment where they like put out films like that and stuff like that but like 
you know, you're you're never again going to walk into a draft house and see hentai porn on the on the screen, which is something they used to do sometimes, you know, so. They still had their, their theme nights. Yeah. Where they show bizarre VHS Yeah, I, stuff. I will say this is before, this is like before Weird Wednesday or something like that, yeah. you know, or Horror Thursday or whatever, Guys, you know. we've lived in Austin so <laughs> long. Like when we moved to Austin, because you came here around the same time, there was only one Alamo Draft House That's in right. the country. Yeah. Remember? It used to be down on Colorado. Yes, on Colorado Street. And they had one screen. Mm-hmm. And, um... I loved that theater. Me it too. was just, it was, it was like, it was like just put sort of like cobbled together from like old theater seats and stuff like that. So but, that's the first time I yeah. had a membership with Austin Film Society yeah. is I was a member way back then yeah. in like 2000 or something when I was a it's film student. The, I loved going to that. And like, you just kind of like hung out at the top of the stairs and they had that big poster of the last stand at the Alamo or something mm-hmm. like that on the wall. And, um, yeah, you had to go upstairs cause it was above a, I want to say, a um, a Latin dance about? club. Um, okay. I it was remember like, that. um, cause I went and in, in college I went and, uh, what, I can't remember what dance salsa is a salsa dancing club. Okay. Yeah. Um, I had forgotten that. <laughs> um, and you can dance with, um, uh, men several decades older than you at the salsa club. That's what those clubs are for. Yeah. <laughs> If that's if you're so inclined, <laughs> if you're so inclined. Um, but it was just such a cool space. I mean, and that's I saw. Um, I mean, like that's the first time I saw Master Pancake, which was Mister Sinus at the time. You know what <laughs> else this is triggering or making me l- kind of lump together in this is. So here's the thing we've been doing lately. We we've been dialing up on YouTube old mystery science theater episodes yeah. of. Of the educational films. Yeah. They're the best. How to go on a date. Yeah. Like hygiene. Are you ready to Hygiene for like eighth graders or, you know. Posture pals. Posture pals. (laughs) That's kind of a similar tone. Is somebody who appreciates John Waters would, I mean, like he would appreciate the weirdness of those. Well, it's weird. I got. Bizarre educational movies. I got caught up in this like, so Gen X was having this, which is the your generation, generation older than me, I got caught up in this sort of nostalgia wave that the Gen X people had for their childhood, you know, which was sort of like saturated with the like baby boomer culture, you know, because it was their, you know, they were taking over the world and everything like that. So like, I have a lot of nostalgia for that, which is not my own nostalgia. It's nostalgias for other people's nostalgia, which is weird, you know? (laughs) So like reality bites, we really did joke about schoolhouse rock or Sid and Marty Croft or, you know, that kind of, you don't know how many times I watched reality bites. I watched it again and again and again when I was a kid. So (laughs) we were reality bites. That's when I went to college. (laughs) I mean, we weren't, you know, but yeah. And then, well, in the nineties, because Gen X was, was uh, they put out the Schoolhouse Rock uh, covers. And so, like, I had the CD of all the school, like, Blind Melon doing Three is the Magic Number. And oh, yeah. It was a good... It's, I need to get... It's still one of my favorite songs, the Blind Melon cover of Three is the Magic Number. Somewhere in that This is why I married you. Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, like, I don't think I'd ever seen, like, other than uh, I'm Just a Bill... It was the only schoolhouse rock I had ever oh, seen. No, we, you know? we grew up on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, I watched 321 Contact, you know, which I know was actually 
I didn't slightly know older. That. They were still showing it on our PBS. So I don't know if I I've ever run into anybody yeah. who's known through two one contact. <laughs> it's what about answer. Electric Company? Did you know? Yeah, it? that was on. Still, I didn't watch it as much as I, I liked three two one contact more than uh, contact. It's, it's the, the answer. answer. It's the reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember that. Three, two, one, contact. contact. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Well, so, and uh, I think like. Yeah. I mean, just because when I grew up was like the height of cable television, there were like a bazillion channels. I mean, I think there's more now, but like they had to replay all of these, all these series because there was nothing else to fill up the time. So like I grew up watching reruns of all sorts of things, you know, that I'm too young to have seen, but, you know... Or, or to have watched in first run because I was just too young to stay up and watch TV. So I think about this every once in a while. You know how my daughter Sky is mm. sitting around watching reruns of Full House or yeah. well Parks and Rec or whatever it is she's watching reruns or, or Disney shows sometimes, yeah. right? Some of the Disney shows from 10 years ago, Wizards of Waverly Place. Like when I was a kid and I was, what, 10 years old or something, the reruns that they were showing, mm. seriously, was like I Love Lucy, Leave it to Beaver. I used to watch Leave it to I've Beaver. Seen, well, I've seen the full run of I Love Lucy. I watched it every night I on Nick and Night. I saw the full run of Leave it to Beaver <laughs> over and over and Mr. Ed. It's a Mr. And, Ed. Uh, Get I Dream Smart. Of and Have you ever seen Get Smart? No, I've not seen Get Smart. Okay, it's really dumb and really funny. It's Bewitched, Green Bewitched, Acres. Green Acres. Yeah, we used to have a block on TV20 San Francisco that was like, yeah, it was like Green Acres, um, My Favorite Martian, yeah. all that stuff. Well, and those were the reruns when I was so a kid. my dad subscribed to um, Sci Fi Channel because of Mystery Science Theater and because of their marathon of Twilight Zones that they did every Christmas and New Year's. So we would watch so Christmas and my New Year's. TV20 San Francisco, I think, was one of the first marathon twilight zone marathons before there was a sci-fi channel yeah that's what i used to <laughs> even when i was when i was 11 years old or whatever i was pumping the vcr with with tapes yeah. on six hour mode to like record all the twilight zones that they show like round the clock you know <laughs> so that's why i'm a twilight zone fan now and i have the blu-ray set that's of right. the entire series damn it damn it it's one of my favorite shows of all time it's good stuff my dad used to tell us the stories of Twilight Zones. That's cool. You know, if we couldn't get the, which, and like, you know, it wasn't exact. we didn't have the internet. So like, if you wanted to track down VHS of the Twilight Zone, it would have been like a whole ordeal, you know? Yeah. You have to go to a store. <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> I think we need to watch Wild at Heart sometime okay. soon. I think that pushes some of the same buttons as this movie. Okay. So, any other last thoughts? Uh, if you haven't seen it, what? and you like dark, dark, dark humors, check out Serial Mom. You know. Oh yeah, we, we ended up getting it on iTunes, right? But it's it's available for rental streaming on Amazon and and iTunes. It's weird and all to that. me how they decide what things are rentable and what things are freely available. I don't understand how. You know, it, just about everything is available now. Yeah, like it's rare that I can't find something altogether. Somebody mm. usually has the license. The weirdest ones is when it's, you know, you have to get a Stars subscription or something like that. But anyway, go check oh, out that's Serial how Mom. we did um, the um, Anne of Avonlea. We had to subscribe to some sort of weird Canadian streaming thing or something like that. It was very strange. 
It's still- oh no, we still don't have Anne of Green Gables of our own. No, right? no. We rented that. We we checked it out. I'm not going to make that mistake. We, we checked, checked it out, it out from the, the public library. library. Yeah. Okay. We went on a special trip to South Austin in order to check it out. So I've now, you've now rubbed off on me and I've been with you long enough that I have times where I'm like, oh, I just feel like watching like Pride and Prejudice or Anne of Green Gables yeah. or something like that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, that's, that's me. It's like, I love Serial Mom, but I love Anne of Green Gables too. So it's like. <laughs> you need, you need to pen the story that, that, that brings these concepts together. Yeah, I, I guess so. I I don't think I'm, I, I think I'm too scattered for that, you know. <laughs> like Anne of Green Gables, like when she's Green trying Gables. to tell a story really quickly. That's right, you know. Okay, we are, off tan- we are off on tangents of tangents, so I think it's time to say goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in about two weeks, and it's my choice again. I have no idea what I'm going to choose, so you'll just have to show up and see. Bye.